Before we start, can I just talk about what a gamer I am right now, though? A gamer? I'm a gamer. You just and referred to yourself unironically as a gamer. You're listening to Deeper Magic. Would you ever do the new metaverse stuff, by the way, that Zuckerberg is creating? No. Are you it is just hideous. It's I'm just like silly. barely on Instagram as it is. Right. I already feel gross. <laughs> We're not talking about social media here. We're talking about the Bible and Christianity. But yeah, this is Deeper Magic. I'm Anna. This is my father, Peter. Here we are again. I am why, So why the Deeper Magic? Four and a half hours of sleep. You are. But, I before, went to a but, but before you start whining about the okay. fact that you're not a gamer, um, <laughs> well, yeah, it's been a while since we've said what the Deeper <laughs> Magic is. I mean, it's just it's just a quick, quickly, it's a reference to Narnia. Yeah. It's the idea that in all of the crazy failures the of. From before the dawn Exactly. And all of the crazy failures of, of public Christendom or institutional yep. Christianity, there still is a Deeper Magic. And that's what we love to talk about but you're you're whining that you're not a gamer four and a half hours of sleep because you went to a concert last night what is i that was two completely unrelated sentences you're whining that you're not a gamer you're running no, on sorry. four and a half hours you're, you're of right. sleep and you went to a concert last night. okay so what let, am let, I, let me which, let me rephrase what it. order do you want me to you are demonstrating you are demonstrating <laughs> that you are not a gamer <laughs> those are through, two completely different topics you are demonstrating that you're not a gamer through your through your whining about the fact that you're tired after going to a concert last oh, night you're that you're only getting like four and a half hours of sleep of gamer i thought you yes, i was like what does my version. inability to play video games because of my complete lack of hand-eye yes. coordination what does that have to do with anything i'm talking about the deeper magic version of okay. being a gamer, the actual gamer, not not your little VR thing. So no. so you're tired and, and I'm, I'm sick. And so what was the concert last night that you went to? As the Backseat Lovers. Yeah. It was very good. Brilliant. It's one of my favorite like nostalgic late high school bands um, that I listen <laughs> How to. How can that be nostalgic? That's like four years no, ago. No, two no, no. Years because ago the was thing that you need... No, okay. Nostalgic for me is Breakfast year. Club. I'm, We're talking that's sophomore 40 year years high ago. school. Okay. But the thing that you need to understand, is we talked about this so much in my... Um, how stories change the world class Prince the other day. Is nostalgia. Shut up. Okay. Um, but with COVID and like the pandemic and everything shutting down and and it was this weird moment for me because I'm one of two actual university students in a class of 30. The rest of them are PSEO students. Yeah. Their parents um, drop them off. They don't even have license these days when they're coming to school. I, I have so many feelings about that. But um, <laughs> Average age of the university <laughs> students 13 right oh now to try gosh. to get some free credits. Um, I know. But we just had this really interesting moment where I was like, oh, this isn't a reality for you guys in the same way that it was for me because the lockdown happened in my senior year of high school. And so I didn't get graduation. I didn't get prom. I basically missed out on my final year of high school because we were overseas for fall semester and then we got back and everything locked down. Right. So I basically was done with high school with my junior year. Yeah, that was a weird experience. And I had no idea. And then my first year of college was all online. And so I don't even really feel like I had a first year of college. So that's part of why, like when I say backseat lovers is nostalgic for me. Yes. That's why is because I'm like, time isn't a thing anymore. I still feel like I'm 16, even though I turned 21 in a few months. Yes. I also weirdly feel like I'm like 27 and I graduated four years ago. Okay. That like I have no idea what time is anymore. Because Oscar Mayer hot dogs is nostalgia. Now we're talking <laughs> nostalgia. But like backseat lovers, Doctor Who, like some of those things, like those are I the see. things that when I was When it was just like, a little simpler when, world. Right. When I still felt like a kid and I still felt like I knew what was happening, like every single day now as a young adult, I wake up and I'm like, I don't know a thing about the world. 
okay. And then I go about my day. Mm. And it's like, and I'm, that's part of why PSEO students bother me. Like, I love them. I've adopted some of them. Like, they're mm-hmm. so cute. They're the, they're, they're adorable. Their optimism is hilarious to me. I swear it's but just teenage daycare. Is it, all it, is. Is. it is. Yeah. It's just high school again. It is. It is. My thing is, is that I'm like, I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, that's right. You haven't figured out yet that you don't know anything. That's okay. You'll get there in like three years and then you'll continue to not know anything for like another decade and then you might start figuring it out. <laughs> so funny. It is different. I will say yeah. teaching university over these 20 years and with the introduction of the post-secondary students coming in in such mm-hmm. mass and droves really has changed things uh, yeah. for it's super weird. the way that I can lecture, the way that I can teach just because brain development is what it is for all of us, mm-hmm. right? At the end of the day. So yeah, yeah that is. So, but but that you, was the concert that, that was I went concert. to. was yep. the Backseat Lover. They're really good. I would really recommend it. And it was like a sweet moment for me because their early stuff that I listen to is all very late high school, early college sort of mentality, themes, songs, whatever. And then their most recent album, which just came out a few weeks ago, is very like, I'm an adult and life is weird, but sometimes it's kind of cool. But also I don't have any friends and I don't really know what's going on. And I kind of hate it here and I kind of wish I was a kid again, but also sometimes it's cool. And it's like, and so I just had this moment like listening to their album where I was like, oh, this is like my whole life right now. Yeah, and yeah. It's, so we went to the concert last night and then I opened at work this morning <laughs> and worked six and a half hour shift. So I am like, you are tired. Okay, dead. that's legit. I'm, yeah. I'm almost sorry that if I you said can't that you're not a gamer. By my you're a gamer. Complete inability to stay on track right now. <laughs> um, I am so tired. Yeah. Well, we're just kind of doing an introduction in this yes. episode to uh, a change, a bit of an evolution in the Deeper Magic podcast, and mm-hmm. again, just pleasantly surprised by the, or at both, least like a slight diversion, yeah, of some kind. But the number of people listening, but also just the the age ranges. I mean, it's just been really fun to hear from people that are. You know, 11, 12, 13, 14, the post-secondary yeah. students, the, oh the 13, 13, 14, 15 year olds, but people uh, in their seventies and eighties have been listening and it's just been really, and then nice every, pterodactyl noise. I just, that was, ah. that's but everywhere in between. Pleasant. And I think one of the things that would probably be helpful is that you and I will continue to do our weekly episodes as we can. And that's yeah. most weeks that will cover a variety of topics as mm-hmm. part of the deeper magic. But so much of what we talk about it has some sort of uh, anchoring or origin in uh, oftentimes in psychology or biology or uh, yeah. some of the other sciences uh, along those lines. But obviously, too, we talk a I lot about scripture. Those, you could only come up with two sciences. Well, let's see. Biology, psychology, sociology. That's Ooh, analogy. Okay. Um, um, Does um, that count um, as a science? Well, yeah, it's a social science. Uh, it's called the social science. That was my that PhD. Yeah, it was. It was. I don't know. Uh, social science. science. And then those are the only three that I have. Cosmology. Chemistry. Anatomy. Chemistry, astronomy. Physics. Cosmetology. Cosmetology would be something, wouldn't it? Oh, my gosh. I thought cosmetology, which isn't that the... Is cosmetology that a, is where you, you learn to do people's nails. That's not a science. Oh. <laughs> Just because it has ology on the end doesn't mean it's, it's a science. It's the study of doing nails. That's it's not a stupid. study of cosmetics. Marine biology. Yeah, all right. That's a okay. thing. That's a different thing. So so the different ologies. Clearly, all we'll talk ologies. a lot about all, all of those sorts of things. But but one thing you and I talk a, about a lot on this podcast is just things from Scripture. Yeah. And maybe I can just make one comment on that. There was a, Just one. Well, I mean, what's really common mm. is that a lot of people have a lot of trouble, understandably so, with the Bible. When they open it up in the English language and yeah. they say they see what it says— they're like, well, this thing is um, archaic. Uh, it is um, yep. 
Let's see. It's, it's patriarchal. It hates women. It endorses or slavery. God is it's making it angry. It's 100% true. And my single English translation Bible verse ripped out of context applies to some massive political thing that allows me to tell you you're going to hell. And I think what we want to try to consistently dig into a little bit is the idea that um, the, the Bible maybe has been terribly misunderstood in, in, in so many different levels. And, you know, there's 33,000 verses of scripture passages. Now, they weren't written in chapter and verse back in that time. But it, and if you just even take out the Apocrypha, which are these series yeah. of sort of seven books that are disputed between the Catholic Church and the Protestant Church about whether they belong in scripture, but taking out the Apocrypha, there's 33,000 verses of scripture that are there. And people usually that have rejected the Bible are rejecting maybe a theological framework of how somebody has told them what the Bible means, or like you said, they've ripped out a verse out of context, or this, that, and the other. Yeah. And and we just, we're going to start sort of a satellite series of podcasts uh, that yeah. is going to get into Scripture. So you and I will continue to have our weekly conversations, but we're going to invite some other people that really have uh, wonderful foundations in scriptural conversations, because there's just so much to, to have there, uh, including our friend Rabbi Allen, who is, mm-hmm. um, he's, a, he's a rabbinical scholar, incredible I scholar of the Old Testament. I love you just volunteered him for that. Oh, he's talked, he's, he's talked about coming <laughs> for sure. Um, my You're friend, like, yes, for the record. Yes. I met uh, a woman named Rebecca Ree, who is uh, an incredible Hebrew expert. Uh, she's on the, on the East Coast, does a lot of media work and a lot of teaching work. Your brother, Caleb, Hebrew boy. Uh, Hebrew boy. Hebrew boy. We should get come Samuel in. to write him a theme song yes. that we can play when he comes on. His younger, like, yes, his younger brother Samuel's who edits the, he does the first edit of Deeper Hebrew Magic. Boy. Right, that'd be <laughs> perfect. So, so Hebrew Boy would join us. He's yeah. been, he's graduating. He's been doing a ton of work in that. So we're going to start so a series of episodes that will cover different topics in scripture, different words, and see that mm-hmm. maybe, huh, maybe there's something that's worth paying attention to um, there because I think a lot of people just sit down and read the English and think, uh, well, this doesn't make sense anymore, which understandably so, because the Bible, I'll give you a quick quiz. You already failed your biblical worldview quiz. so um, You failed worse than I, I did. I did. So, Anna, the, the New Testament is written in what language? Greek. Wow. I literally took an intensive Greek class. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I got an A in, uh, by the did, way. I got a first well. You in did Greek. very well at that at the University of I Edinburgh. I felt so good about uh, that. So, and the, new, and the Old Testament's written in Hebrew, obviously. And if anybody knows anything about languages, it is really hard to languages translate. Are there, there's, it's really hard to translate from one language to another language because all you're really doing is you're trying to express experiences that are non-visible in this world, and you're trying to communicate about what you're experiencing, and then you have a series of characters that you try to put together. The English language has 26 characters trying to put together profound experiences that are happening all day long. And so language is so limiting already, number one. super weird. And to try to go from one language to another is incredibly difficult. Uh, I mean, I'm sure you've, you've studied French. I'm sure you have certain words in French that just don't translate I actually, I have a whole book in my room. It's one of my favorite little books, and it's words that have no translation in other languages. Yeah. And it's so interesting because each of those words, like, tells you so much about a place or a culture. And, and it's it's so interesting because they are words that are, like, commonly used in other languages but have no, like, out-of-context translation. Yeah. Like, they make no sense. They There's don't. no 
Yeah. And then the Bible has that stuff too. And that's why it's going to be fun to do some of these side episodes that we'll probably release alongside of, of our, of our main episode each week. But a good example, you, you've talked often about the trouble you've had with how you've been treated as a woman in the church. Absolutely. And some people look at this passage in Timothy that Paul uh, writes to Timothy and it says something along the lines of, I don't allow women to teach or to hold authority over men. And, and millions of people have been impacted by an understanding of that passage that is simply women should never teach, which is, I always, <laughs> but if you actually I get into the Greek language, this. but I think some people would probably complain about your complaining about not being, you oh, know, uh, yeah. and, and able to work in the church and say, well, Anna, you're just some socially progressive, liberal minded, you know, atheist that wants to chuck away the scripture and call it patriarchal based on that. I mean, I did think verse. about dyeing my hair blue, like, I, unironically. I really did think about that. I still kind of think about it sometimes. But people would probably say those sorts of things. But if you just get into the Greek, it's actually not that hard. There was a crazy thing going on in the city of Ephesus. A bunch of women were coming from the Artemis cult into the early church. They were trying mm-hmm. to boss and lord over everybody that was there because that's what they were doing in their temple. So, so when you read that passage in the Greek, it actually says, I don't presently permit women to teach. It doesn't say, it's not like a permanent yeah. injunction. I don't presently permit women to teach or, and then the word authority is the Greek word authentine, which just simply means a bossy enslaving lording over seeking to destroy kind of authority. So, well, so, and I have something to add to all of please, that because yeah. I do think until I did some of my own research on this, I, cause I knew all the stuff about like the Artemis cult and the kind of weird power lording over men and like, Weirdly, even though Artemis was supposed to be like a virgin goddess or whatever, that there was like weird sexual perversion that was happening there as well. Um, and a couple of other things that that were ugh. but the the thing that I didn't understand, and so part of the reason why I want to be really, really clear about this is that the other main message that I have received as a woman growing up in the church is that, I am inherently a sexual being, whether I'm trying to be or not. Right. And because of that, I'm therefore inherently sinful. And so I think if you understand, if you talk about the Artemis cult and and then press stop there, that opens some really dangerous doorways. Of course Because it then it's about like, I don't presently permit women to teach because they are seducing men and causing them to sin and being weird and stepping outside of their power boundaries and like all of these things. And then it's really not that any different than, than how it's translated in a much more conservative setting. Right. The thing that I found about it when I was doing my, my research about it was that it was specifically addressing the fact that women had not been allowed to learn. Cause it before. says afterwards, I, I don't hold authority. Yeah. They must study and learn. Right. And so, so yes. it was much more about the fact that because the women hadn't had any biblical teaching, they hadn't had any learning in the Old Testament, they didn't know what was going on. And so they were open and vulnerable to being misled by people like the Artemis cult and to thinking exactly. that that was what was supposed to be going on in a rightly ordered world. So it's not that women are sinful sexual beings and because of that oh, of and because they don't know how to handle power correctly, they're not allowed to teach. It's that the people in the church who don't know the teachings shouldn't be leading. 
Right. I, and, and, and so that's women or men is the point of the passage. Right. But I think what's so important about that, and we're not going to, that's just one quick example. Right. We're not going to go into all of these different examples. It's just more of a, of, a, of an intro. We're not going to do a seven hour headed. podcast but, episode. But I think it's, but you, but the implications of that, if we just yeah. sort of sit for a second with the implications of what you and me just outlined from a little bit of that passage. And we could talk about that like passage for 15, 20 minutes it was more. It like a 15 page essay. Yeah. And uh, there's millions of people, uh, tens of millions of people that have, have arranged their church life in, in, in such a way that women are not invited to participate in the church based on mm-hmm. a certain understanding from the English language of yeah. that passage. And then they have trouble, not just with the Bible, but they have trouble understandably with Christianity and they, you know, they, in and, relationships and, and with men, men use it in abusive ways and, yeah. and it's just the whole thing. So that's the, that's the point of what we're trying to say is how important it is uh, that the Bible, it, 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 on one level, on a devotional level, I think God breathes in that just as we read it in any language. But boy, oh boy, we, we once had the question asked in seminary mm-hmm. that if you were looking at a, if you said to somebody, you, you, you had two people in the room and you said to these two people, um, go interpret what the Bible means. Just give oh, a passage and, go, and one person has never been equipped with any of the tools about how to get into an ancient text that's 2,000 years old or longer, right. uh, where you almost have to be an archaeologist and you know just to figure <laughs> it all out. But they've never been all equipped. They, they sit down on the hill. This is the scenario in seminary. They sit down on okay. the hill, they pray, and then they read the Bible. And they come back and say, the Bible means X. And then the second person is an atheist, doesn't mm-hmm. believe in God, but has been given all kinds of tools and, and equipping, like historical context and original languages and all what's going on. Uh, and they read that same passage and they come back and say, no, the Bible means this. Whose interpretation would you trust? Mm-hmm. And it was such a fascinating question because... Uh, you can read the Bible for a lot of different reasons, but my answer is always, uh, even if the person, the atheist, doesn't believe that it's worth attending to, yeah. I would rather trust somebody that has the basic tools to just get into Absolutely. a book that was written in an entirely different language to an entirely different people uh, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 years ago. So um, that's the kind of thing we want to start doing with these separate yeah. podcasts is, is to have some dedicated time to talk about some of those words. I have a thing for you. I have a surprise thought. Exp- you do? I don't know if it is a thought in this, experiment. In this always very scripted. Oh, episode. so okay. scripted. So this is a thought experiment you're going to spring I don't know. upon me. I don't. I don't know if I could call it a thought experiment. Really, but it might just more be an example at your expense. But <laughs> <laughs> huh? Yeah. All right. Um, because the other thing is, is that we were talking about the Hebrew language a little bit, and we'll get more into this later. Part of it is the translations and retranslations and retranslations and retranslations over right. and over and over right, and right. over. Of course. That, of course, things get lost, right? It's a little bit like a massive historical game of telephone. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is that, especially in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament as well, just we don't talk about it as much. Context is everything. It is everything. And it's like I, when I start digging into the Hebrew, I was talking to Alan about this the other day where I was like, look. I have the tools and the resources to look at what the words are, but there are times when I'm looking at something and I'm like, I know that I am missing something oh, essential it to me here, all the but time. I have no idea what it is. Yeah. Like I know it's contextual, but I don't know what the context is and I don't know how to find out. Yep. So I have a phrase for you. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. And I want you to tell me what you think the phrase means. 
or the implications that it might hold. Okay, but before you do, just a quick comment on that Alan piece, like you said. Okay, yes. Because to the point where I am reading and I just assume I'm missing stuff now, that yeah. that has always been a bit of the case, but especially when we've been studying with Rabbi Alan these last 10 oh, years or so. Oh, yeah, where you're like, and wait you get, a minute. You get into a room with him and he's like, okay, we're going to look at one passage of scripture for the next eight hours. And I thought, are you... And it's like a third of a verse. Oh, gosh. And the first time that I, that I was yeah. invited into that circle, I thought, this is the dumbest thing that I've ever heard of. What? Uh-huh. One verse for eight hours? Are you kidding me? I like remember literally we did David and Goliath my at eyes one out. point, and we spent three hours on David and Goliath, and we never actually got to the passages got to the pa- yeah. because we just talked about the context of the thing, and oh, I was, was like, "This is wild!" And it was stunning. It and, was and so Yeah, so so it, there, there's a lot of humility that yeah. needs to go into this uh, as well because there just is so much rich, richness into it. So okay, so your thought experiment. What's your thought? Yes. You're, you're going to give me a phrase of some kind. I have a sentence. Oh, and I want you to tell me what you think it means. Is it from scripture? No. Oh, okay. Well, is it, it can't be from scripture. Because because you have things from scripture, like you know some. Of oh, 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 okay. So this I'm is the thing. So this is this is the <laughs> equivalent of like I mean, no, I, I said something. I, I know. Um, but this is the equivalent of like the single Bible verse taped to the dashboard oh, of your car. Okay, right? Like this is taken from a many book long series, like contextual thing. Okay, right? And is it I your have, Maggie Stevie Wonder I thing? Have, I it is. Plucked. It's going to be from Maggie Stevie Water. Shut up. It I is. have I have plucked something out of context. Okay. Right? He was a king. That is the sentence. What does that mean? He was a king? Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he had some sort of territory over which he was sovereign and ruled the people, whether that was oppressively or servantly, I don't really know, but he, but he had authority and, and rulership over some sort of land people. Thus, he was a king of a kingdom. That's what that means. Does it change your answer at all to know that this is a phrase that is repeated so many times over the course of the last book? He was a king. No, it doesn't help me at all. Yeah. It just okay. means that we're just establishing he's really a king. But in context. Yes. It is the culmination of a four book journey of one of the most brilliantly and complicated oh, characters that like brilliantly written and complicated characters that I have ever seen where his whole journey journey is like crippling self-doubt and wanting to be there. For Did you just friend. say journaly? Shut up. <laughs> I'm an English word. major. I can okay. make up words whenever right, so I want. Crippling self-doubt. I'm English sorry. is a fake language and you just make it up as you go. Yes, on. that's very true. Um, that's the first thing that I learned when I took linguistics. Very true. Um, that he, like crippling self-doubt and always wanting to be there for his friends, but not feeling like they were going to be there for him. Mm. He was searching for this like meaning, this power that not like power, power, but like this otherworldly power mm-hmm. sort of thing. Right. It's like this giant epic quest of his. And in the context of this book, this is the culmination of his character arc where he's like all of a sudden he realizes the loyalty that his friends have for him he realized the powers that he holds within himself. He realizes why he's doing the things that he's doing, what he has to do in order to end the story. It's like this incredible, like, King Arthur type mystical, like, mm-hmm. and this little skinny academic boy who calls a girl in the middle of the night because he has insomnia and he's mm. building a cardboard replica of his town. Like, has a panic attack in a cave kind of character, he was a king. So what that's you, yeah. what that phrase So what means. you just did is you you took 
something like where I it was wet like a, yeah. reading that for the first time. And when you just told me he was a king, I just had a basic one-dimensional, not even one-dimensional concept of king. But because you're talking about king in the context of this massive story, it evokes a whole series of emotions and reactions. I and still want to cry conversations. Yeah, loud. I think that's such a good example because the Thank the you. Hebrew and the Greek. Maggie Steve Otter strikes again. Stevie Vodder has done it you're again. You're wrong. That's not Stevie Vodder, but that's okay because I know you're just doing it to annoy me. Yes, indeed. So, but that's a great example because there there is such dimensionality to the, the to the text. There's themes upon themes and gossamer Absolutely. threads and all kinds of stuff that are that that's going on. That's just going to be so fun to talk about. It's not a series of a bunch of disconnected verses where somebody is like, huh. I just wrote the 23rd verse of chapter two. <laughs> now what should I write? Like there's, yeah, a, there's exactly. there wasn't, they weren't, as I said Maybe earlier, <laughs> they weren't even writing in, in verses back then. And, and so in terms of even taking things out of context, I use this example in my class sometimes about this, where I say, let, let's say that I write uh, a love letter to your mother for a, a, a time capsule. I'm suddenly capsule. very uncomfortable with where this might be going. <laughs> a time capsule, that's a thing that you bury that generations unearth later, I know right? what a time no, capsule I'm just, is. No, I'm just, I'm trying to get some some uh, clarity on this. Okay. Time capsule, that's the thing that you bury, right? And then you, you sure. unearth. Okay. I write wow. this letter and I'm going to bury it for our great, great, great grandchildren so they can okay. get just a little vision of who their yeah. great, great, great grandpappy was. We literally <laughs> made a time capsule together like four years yeah, ago. Yeah, we our did. family did. We did. It yeah, was in Maple Grove. So um, so I write a letter and I say uh, to your mother, I am not a man who will ever leave you or forsake you. I'll cherish you. I'll be with you. We'll finish this journey together and like on and on. And it's like six pages, yeah. right? And then I finish it and we put it in, in some little cylinder and, and bury it in the ground in time uh, capsule. And some, let's say 90 years from now. Okay. The great, great, great grandchildren. You're gonna That's have to, not really how time works, but okay. Okay. But first of all, you're going to have to get married. You do know that. Like, I mean, yeah, in order to be a good Christian, yeah, I have to get married. Because <laughs> I need some grandkids. I have to get married. I have to, we'll start I have that to have later. children. We'll yeah. sort that out later. So the great, great, great grandchildren that, are, that have come. Yeah. Don't I have um, to have 12 if I'm going to go to heaven? If, or skip if, purgatory? Yeah, no. If you That's were if you is. were Catholic in central Minnesota in the 1940s, you were taught that you could yeah. get out of purgatory if you had 12 children, which is a great way to repopulate mm-hmm. the Catholic Church. But that, okay. So anyway. Uh, all right. So they, open, so they open up the letter and they do what we do with the Bible, where they take this big, long letter or book or something that was written, yeah. right? And they're like, why don't we just rip one thing out of context and make that be what it means? And the thing that the, that they rip out of context and they just tape on their steering wheel as they read great, great, great grandpappy's letter is, I am not a man. (laughs) (laughs) And they leave it there. They don't, I am not a man who will never ever leave you for saying. Did you just come up with that right now? I am not. Have you used this I've used this in my class. Okay, because I was going to say, if you came up with that right now, that's up there with funniest things I've ever heard. <laughs> I did come up with it on the spot in class one day and I've, and I've used it ever since. But the, really but the great grandkids would be like, wow, we just learned some, some dirt on <laughs> great, great grandpappy. <laughs> so, but that's what we do to the Bible all the time. Apparently great, great grandma knew too and she <laughs> yeah, didn't mind. She went, al- she went along with Suddenly the roots. Suddenly our entire yeah. family history looks very different. It does. <laughs> it does indeed. So there you go. Oh that's gosh. a good example. So that's, that's one hilarious. thing we definitely yeah. want to talk a lot about it's just the dimensionality context. of Hebrew and, and Greek and the context and what these words mean. And, and just because there, there's really some beautiful richness, I think, that we, we can get with some of these themes that are there. Clearly, the New Testament writers knew all of the story of the people. And that probably is the second thing out of the two that we wanted to talk about tonight was yeah. just the idea that <gasps> the Old Testament 
might matter. I actually like calling it the Hebrew <laughs> scriptures, not yeah. the Old Testament. So well, here's my, my favorite thing is, well, okay, were you going to talk about that, what you say in class? Yes, about... so here's my thought yeah, experiment yeah, 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 for you, okay. but, you oh. but you've heard it. You've already heard it, so uh-huh. you'll, you'll get this right. I cheated. But this is the other thing that I do in class. In the awkward silence that comes in class. There are for many awkward silences in your sexuality there, class. There I will tell you that much right yeah, that's now. That's really fun, though, too. Most of them are yours, though. Mm, yeah, but, you know, I can get, I can, you know, I, I, give, yeah. I give and take in that class for okay. sure. But, uh, but the example, there's this passage in Scripture, again, in, in Timothy, um, where it says, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for training and rebuking and a bunch of other stuff in righteousness. Yeah. I can never remember. So it's... Um, Seems like an important one yeah, that you should but, know. And it says, all Scripture is God-breathed. And I I asked the students, I said, so what is the problem with applying that phrase, all scripture is God breathed and is useful for a bunch of stuff in righteousness? What's the problem with applying that to the New Testament? And they're all like, uh. No problem uh, because it is God breathed. Uh, so there you go. And, and finally somebody was like, wait a minute. The New Testament hadn't really been written or compiled or canonized yet. I'm it like, didn't I know. Exist yet. So for I, I, you probably didn't grow up with this, but I grew up with Bibles that were often New Testament only because that was the only thing that mattered. With a few Psalms chucked in, maybe so we could we could write some, so Chris Tomlin could write some worship songs. I had like the Adventure Bible or whatever with the like the hardcover with the green leaves and like the compass on it, and I yeah. think that. Was that New was Testament that only? Was just New Testament? I don't know. Google you have to look right that now. up. Yeah. I, That's I mean, important. I think some of them got developed because they could smuggle way more as they were going into the eastern blocks of Europe and, the, and behind the Iron Curtain or something like that. But it, it communicated the idea that the Hebrew scriptures didn't matter at all. And I, I think both you and I would suggest that you can't understand a single thing about what's going on in the New Testament if you don't start, first of all, Genesis 1, 2, and 3, but then go on from there. There's just so many themes from which the New Testament writers draw yeah. that you just, you can't, when Jesus says something as simple as a good tree bears good fruit, if you don't understand the word good from Genesis 1 and what right. that means and that it's not some word that is the opposite of bad, that good means something entirely different. And when Jesus is saying a good tree bears good fruit, you have no idea what that means at all. Uh, you, you might think it means, well, if I'm being really morally upright, then good things are going to happen in my life. Or, or something I like just, how you suddenly got really nasally. Uh, it just drives me wild. Yeah. So you have to understand what was going on in Genesis 1 with the word good and even understand it's not the opposite of bad no, um, of and, and what's being written there to even understand all these other themes. So, so I think, okay, we've been rambling. We've gone off topic a lot of times. And and I think we have been rambling about things that make sense to us because yes. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how good your memory is. I've been studying this sort of thing for as long as I can remember. Yes. So I don't know how to think about the Bible any other way than this. Like my instinct when I read a Bible passage, like my first response, what do I not know about this first? That's my response as well. What are the words here that look the most important? What are the ones where I'm like, okay, something isn't. Like, what do I not understand just mm-hmm. looking at the English? Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm 100% certain that almost every time there's going to be stuff that I don't know what it is. But I'm thinking about, like, a Spark Notes beginner's guide to, like, what do you need to know for our next series of episodes? Because part of what we've been talking about in previous episodes is, okay, we've talked about criticisms of the church we've talked about areas where the church has maybe done well we've talked about 
other things. I don't know. We've done so many episodes, but we've only released a few of them. So I, I don't remember what all we've actually released and what we haven't at this yeah, point. A lot of work with uh, you and the next generation. We talked yeah. about uh, prayer and some of the episodes yep. we talked about just what the deeper magic was and magic in general. And, and, and in all of that though, we do consistently reference certain things in scripture. So a sparks, yeah. a sparks notes version, I think of the kind of satellite or side episodes or whatever that we're going to yeah, call yeah. them that we release is just simply trying the best we can to introduce people to simple tools that can totally. be used that are available to start helping. I, I really do actually think the picture of the archaeologist works for me when it comes yeah. to being a person who starts studying scripture. I mean, an archaeologist. It would be like unearthing a single toe it, and being like, yes. it's a chicken. And you're like, actually, it's a T-Rex. <laughs> That's 100% why I think the archaeologist example works, is yeah. that you get into this sandy desert and you start with Chickens your little brush. Toes, do no, they? They, I don't know. <laughs> they sort um, of do. Mm, I don't they, mm, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Depends on how you define toe. Yeah. Well, they must have, they have feet. Yeah. Are they webbed? No. Mm. They're not water birds. No, they're not ducks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I feel like we could call them toes. Okay, so or you're, like talons. Right, but you're in the desert. Right, as an archaeologist. Yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> and and, uh, and you are just sort of brushing off little fragments and, and trying to put together the puzzle again of what's going. On. You would need to know how to be an archaeologist, and I really, yeah. the Bible feels big, you know, mysterious. And, and and you and I, we really mean it when we say we sit down like, yep, I have no idea what's going on. But or then like, you start taking your little archaeology brushes that you learn how to use, and you just start dusting stuff off. And and you go with reliable people and trusted people. And it doesn't have to be fast. It doesn't have to take for, you know, like no. two seconds. It, it can take hours or, or months even to sort of get your head around mm-hmm. uh, a passage or a concept. And that's what we're hoping to introduce people to, I think, is not just what do these words probably mean in their original yeah. context, but how people can actually do some of that work themselves. And so I'm excited about the side series of episodes where we bring in your brother, really? Hebrew boy, who is just so good at this. Yeah. And we bring in uh, Rabbi Allen and Rebecca Reed and just other people that we know that do this kind of work. You and I can do some of this kind of work and, and um, get yeah. some of these main concepts in, in place. Yeah. And I think part of what we were talking about earlier was an earlier, not in this episode, but earlier when we were planning what we kind of want to talk about over the next couple of weeks is we were like, having talked so much about the church, we haven't yet talked very much about God. And we've kind of separated the idea of like Christianity or Christendom from like the God of the Bible or the God that we are in relationship with. And so we were like, okay, we want to try and help reframe people's understanding of who God is outside of the context of Christendom. Yeah. And and as we were sitting down and planning out how we wanted to do that, we realized that all of the things that we would say about who God is or how we understand our relationship with him or his relationship with the world or like the whole massive arc of the Bible and like all of that, all of that relies super heavily on some pretty like foundational Hebrew biblical word concepts. And we were like, okay, we actually have to rewind so much because in order to be able to understand who God is and how he exists in relationship to us, we have to know how to begin to look at the Bible. Yeah. And so I think one thing that we have already talked about quite a bit is that the Bible is not written in English. And so we already are 
kind of at a disadvantage there in terms of understanding. The other thing is that Hebrew is incredibly contextual. Mm -hmm. And the thing that we talked about earlier is that Hebrew as a language is incredibly layered. I I get really emotional reading Hebrew or or studying it. It feels like an emotional, instinctual, like soulful language rather than an intellectual language, like a lot of our modern languages. And so part of what we talked about as well is that the Greek is less complex in terms of its layers or its implications, but it carries over the Hebrew connotations or or implications of phrases and connections and pathways of thought. And so in order to be able to understand the New Testament, you have to understand the Old Testament, which means you have to understand the Hebrew. And and you said it so well. And the fancy way to think about that is the Hebrew metaphysic or how they understood the world around them, their cosmology, yeah, their absolutely. cosmetology, <laughs> their, their biology. So they, they were not scientific people. They were not trying to write with a sense of scientific accuracy. That was not part of what's going on um, there. But the, in their metaphysic or how they understood the world is that whatever might be observable in the world around them was also often being mirrored in the spiritual realm or symbolized yeah. in the relational realm or something along those lines. And so it's such a it's such a rich language. I mean, maybe just some some really quick without explaining them, but lightning round kinds of examples. Ooh, okay. um, you know, let there be light in Genesis one. Everybody oh, just assumes that everybody favorite. assumes it's physical light that's yeah. going on there. And it, it, it but likely the sun, doesn't moon have, and stars weren't don't created. show up until millennia. Yeah, exactly. And so everybody assumes that's it's one physical of my light. And it, it most likely is not physical light that's there or And then um, what is it exactly that's the, that's, that that's becomes be, the question and it's so critical because then you're gonna it's essential if you understand that then you're gonna understand when jesus says the people the church is supposed to be the light of the world yeah it's, then you have to understand they're not supposed to like turn on really bright 100 watt spotlights in their church building to be the light of the world is exactly what's going on in day one in genesis or yeah. as we talked thing? about the word good or the idea that Evil is the Hebrew word ra, and that's the also the god of Egypt that the Hebrew people Which were in bondage crazy. to. As and so, yeah, and, and or that there's all sorts of times in which people are brought forth through the waters to a new way of life, whether it be Noah or the Red Sea, and now we're into baptism, and there's all kinds of stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. The other thing is that everything goes back to Genesis. Like everything, does. you have to know Genesis. That's it. That's I mean, obviously there's more to it than that, but it's like if you have Genesis, you've got an incredible foundation for for where to go out from there. And there and there's quite a bit from Exodus 2, especially Passover mm -hmm. and Sinai are the kind of couple big ones and then some of the promised land stuff as well. And, yeah. Well, you had an Moses example from story. Sinai when Jesus yeah. yeah, quickly on that. And I have a comment just about why though Genesis in terms of even in Jesus's day, yeah, he, they would well, and before Jesus's day, when the rabbis would come together and argue or dispute passages of scripture, as they often did, and, and try to figure yeah. out the meaning, they all argued by a principle of that time that was called the more original, the weightier, meaning right. that the further that you could go back in scripture in your argument, and at one point. Uh, they're arguing in Matthew 19 about the meaning of divorce and remarriage and all this sort of stuff. And and they're arguing from a passage in Deuteronomy, and Jesus takes them back into Genesis 2, mm 
in that moment with his argument more original or earlier than Deuteronomy, the weightier the argument. And he just, he won the argument because he anchored it all the way back in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. And so part of the metaphysic or the way they understood the world was that if you didn't understand what was going on in 1, 2, and 3, uh, it was impossible to understand the rest of the story and how many people start with these New Testament-only Bibles and assume Jesus' death and resurrection means somehow making sure that the angry God has been, a, you know, it's, he, he's been sedated by the blood of Jesus. And now, like, mm-hmm. he's sort of happy. Like, the whole thing is just a complete and total mess in yeah, terms like of how— Yeah, like, he can't really smite us around uh, Jesus' shield or right, something. Yeah, yeah, we get yeah. To, like, I'm going to write a book during sabbatical called The Jesus Please Shield. Do. Oh, yeah, where we, you know, we get our shield from the ever-angry God, which is just—it just, at the end of the day, it, it just—it would be comical if it wasn't so sad. And, and you and I are not— we don't live in a one-to-one relationship with everything that's true about the Bible. We've just been talking about the fact that it's really hard and we know we're missing stuff too. But just a fundamental thing you can't miss is that if you don't understand Genesis 1, 2, and 3, you simply aren't going to, or to the I'll say it this way, to the extent that you understand Genesis 1, 2, and 3 Absolutely. is the extent that you're going to be able to understand what sort of flows from there, including the Sinai story that was so important that then is yeah. a little what seems to be a throwaway passage in the Beatitudes, but it's utterly critical for understanding what Jesus was up to there. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think uh, we're not going to talk as much about the Hebrew right now just because that is so much more complex, but just like a little example of what we mean about like the language of the Greek isn't exactly more complicated than it might seem on the surface, but there's just more connections than what we've Mm -hmm. been taught. And I I have the New King James Version Hold up right here. Look at me so holy with my Bible. But I've got um, Matthew 5, verse 1. And right? the, the context, this is the first time Jesus is going to open his mouth to teach. Right. Like this is Matthew's a book. It's being written to a Jewish audience. Mm-hmm. Unlike Luke and Mark and John that are written to different audiences, Matthew crafts a story in such a way that he's writing to Hebrew people. And now this is the first time that Jesus is going to open his mouth. So that's a bit of the context. Yeah, absolutely. And and this is my favorite thing is that when we study with Rabbi Allen or mm-hmm. his son Noah, we'll start reading a verse and one of them will just be like, okay, stop. Yeah, right exactly. There, right. And so we were doing this the other night because Noah was in town and we were sitting there and it goes, and seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain. And when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them saying... Right. And there's a lot in there already, which is ridiculous because I've never heard any sermon preached on Matthew 5 verses 1 and 2 because it's just describing the setting. It's describing mm-hmm. what Jesus did. He went up on a mountain and now he's teaching. And right? then, and then what flows from need, that is really? sort of the first beatitude, which is blessed are the poor in spirit. Right. Uh, and then people use that passage in all sorts of weird ways yet, too. But But we miss exactly what you just said. Yeah. And so what we were talking about the other day is like, Okay, in the Greek, this might be an accurate translation of Greek into English, but the language of Jesus going up a mountain, and this is where Noah was like, okay, stop. And I was like, okay, what? And where we see that is in Exodus, when Moses goes up Mount Sinai to speak to the Lord and specifically to receive the Ten Commandments from the Lord. And so Jesus goes up the mountain in the same way that Moses went up the mountain. But when he is at the top of the mountain, he is the one who is teaching. He is the one who is giving the commands, in essence, 
both like he is fulfilling the role of God teaching Moses right. in that moment. And the Jewish audience would have understood that. They would have made the connection between Jesus going up this mountain to deliver his teaching and Moses going up the mountain to receive the teaching from the Lord. Mm-hmm. Which is why then later in, the, in his first teaching there, he says things like, well, you've heard it say, do not murder, but I tell you, or you've heard it say, I heard it said, do not um, commit adultery, but I tell you, and, and he's, he's bringing out the fullness of the Sinai covenant into that community yeah. and then how the people are to be moving forward. So he wasn't doing he's something new. He's establishing the rules of the new covenant. He was, but he was, he was bringing the fulfillment of what the intention of that first covenant it was because by that time, most of the people following the Ten Commandments were doing it just sort of outwardly. There wasn't yeah. any kind of heart. There wasn't any kind of allegiance to any of it. They were just doing it because it of a moral of, that's code. That's what you do, right? And so I was like, "Well, I'm really good because I do this, 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 this." And Jesus is always like, "You're like whitewashed tombs. You look great on the inside or outside, but inside you're filled with the bones of dead men." Let me tell you how this covenant was meant to operate. I'm yeah. going up the mountain and I'm going to tell you all about how the people of God are, are meant to be. And he starts by saying, blessed are those who know they don't have what it takes, um, that are lost, broken, confused, hurting, suffering in this world Mm -hmm. because the kingdom opens them. And blessed are those who are real with their interior pain because they begin to receive some comfort. And blessed are those who are willing to be broken uh, because they'll be the kings and queens of the coming earth. And he begins to tell this beautiful story around what Sinai was meant to be uh, with the people. And there's so much more in all of that. But yeah. that's a great example. You can't understand Matthew 5, 1, 2, 3, and all the Beatitudes unless you also know what was going on prior to that Absolutely. in this wonderful gossamer thread of a story. So, And it's this wonderful thing as well where then, because in the Exodus passage, God asks Moses to bring all the people up to the top of Sinai to deliver his teaching, to deliver his commandments to them. And the people are afraid. And mm-hmm. so they refuse and they send Moses instead. And here Jesus is teaching the people And so it's this wonderful, like, coming full circle of the new covenant kind of situation where all of a sudden, by going up the mountain and beginning to teach, he establishes that he is, in fact, God. And he's establishing, like, the guidelines of the new covenant, and he's delivering it to the people, which is how it was originally supposed to be, except the Israelites, like all of us, were a little bit of a disaster. So that's not how it ended up working out in Exodus. But it's this, like, beautiful full circle moment. Mm Mm-hmm. We don't see that because all we get is Jesus went up a mountain and started teaching. And that's it. That's that's what we get in the English. No, yeah. it's, it's, it's that's such, there's just so many examples like, right, yeah. just be, bringing in the you use that example. He was a king. Well, again, that doesn't mean anything unless you've watched or, or read all of the rest of Stevie's uh, uh, books that she's <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and and so, but and it brings that dimensionality or other great examples um, that you have the ark and Noah's flood that led to Moses's basket, which also is this, the word ark in yeah, the Hebrew, the which is the, the ark of the covenant. The and, well, and the word for the waters that come up out of the earth that are covering the earth during Noah's ark are isn't it the same sort of language as in Genesis? It is, yeah. With the spirit brooding over the waters, right? And then you have the dove appearing at the ark and the dove at Jesus's basket. I mean, it's just, it's one thing after another, after another, after another. That's why I pulled one sentence from the fourth book of an incredibly interrelated contextual series. Right. Is to show that that's essentially what you're doing. When you just read one passage out of one book in the Bible, you are missing the entire rest of the story. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't mean what it's supposed to mean. 
So that I think that's a pretty good introduction about what this secondary podcast yeah. is going to be, whether it's six weeks, whether it's 60 weeks, we don't really know. But we'll release something, we'll record something later this week, bringing yeah. Hebrew Boy in. And by the way, we need some sort of nickname for you. Because um, what was the show that you and Caleb used to always watch growing up? It was was it Shark Boy and Lava Girl? Oh my god! So so if that was a movie. That is one of the greatest movies <laughs> so ever. Are you nostalgic? You must be nostalgic for that I movie. What is that? Four movie. years ago? Five. It was that and Spy Kids were the two. Spy Kids was awesome. Oh my gosh! Spy Kids and then Shark Boy and Lava Girl. And I think because if he's Hebrew boy, then you've got to be some point, kind of girl. At some point, I should call my best friend because she knows. Every single word of the lullaby that Shark Boy sings. Oh, this is perfect. In that movie. And it's so good because all I have to do is bring up that movie and she will sing the entire song. So I should call her and be like, can you sing this? And we can play it on the podcast because it's incredible. But yes, I love that movie. So Hebrew Boy will join us. Uh, Rabbi Allen at times will join us. Rebecca Ree will join us. I thought I was abysmal failure. I thought that was my nickname. Mm, We might need to change that. It seems like people, they've taken a liking to you (laughs) for for reasons that remain mysterious to me. Uh, And I think, um, so Rebecca Ree will join us along the way. I think your friend Daisy, who's doing her PhD work, um, she's actually writing. Uh, her own translation of a chapter in She's Revelation insane. for her PhD work in Edinburgh. Um, sh- her, let's just say her language is a wee bit salty. Is that fair? Like, I like, mean, yeah. I, I don't. I think I think a wee bit is, is, is mildly. So we'll see how that goes in those podcasts. But looking forward to all of that. And you and I will resume our regularly scheduled Deeper Magic podcast next week. Hopefully, yeah. That that is the ideal situation for no, sure. As long as we're both gamers, you you have proven to be a gamer. I I am more of a gamer than you, Mister <laughs> Bedtime at nine thirty. <laughs> Come on, man. I will be staying up until I, midnight tonight. I, I, I tell you that I, much I, right I now. I'm seeing the hints of the old man life where you go to bed at the hints? same. <laughs> Okay. It's been a decade of the old man life. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening to The Deeper Magic. This has been Old Man Peter. With, uh, soon <laughs> Is that to be your named nickname? Are you Old, old Man, man Peter? Yeah, I guess so. With Lava yeah. Girl, Anna, and okay. we'll be back next week with another episode. Bye, guys. Magic is produced by Audio on the Rocks, and our music for this episode is Auroras of Saturn by Music L Files. You can head on over to filmmusic.io and find that there, all licensed under Creative Commons 4.0, viewable on the site as well. Mm-hmm.